Good morning. It's uh, so I don't get to wander around and see everybody. So I want to see or see who's here and say welcome. And yeah, we will eventually get back to that hello stuff. It's really I want to thank. We've got new people that have been coming too, and and it's, we haven't. Uh, if you're if we're not making you as welcome as we would like to, we'll get to it. It's just weird right now with uh, all the masks and the distance and the hellos. And and then honestly, I don't know if this happens to you, but I don't. When you're out and about in public and somebody comes up to you with a mask, do you always know who they are. I don't. I'm like, well, your eyes look familiar, but they look like a lot of other eyes. So. Uh, so welcome so much. And uh, we're glad you're with us. Welcome those of you joining us online. We're happy to have you as well. Can't see you, obviously, but uh, we can see that you're, you're tuning in, and we appreciate that as we continue to press on during these times. So I'm going into a series today called An Unshakable Foundation. Uh, we did a little intro last week, but, uh, and I sort of told you, you know, when your foundation is kind of hard work sometimes, so... You have to be willing to kind of dig with me a little bit as we, we press into this. We're going to be looking at some passages of Scripture throughout the Bible. I want you to see how the whole thing ties together from beginning to end. Uh, I think that's the foundation that we, we really need to stand on. And, you know, I've told you in the last series we're called to be rebuilders, so it kind of starts with the foundation. And this is a good time to sort of make sure we have a real solid foundation and that we're aware of his story and how it works and what our part in it is. And, and maybe we'll tie some things in before that you haven't seen. Uh, as we kind of do this journey together. So I'm looking forward to it, and we're going we're gonna to hop into Genesis today. and We'll look at the first couple of chapters of Genesis together, and then I'm going to press on into the story and tell you some good stuff that's going on right now. And then next week we'll go back and we'll talk about the Exodus. We'll kind of move through uh, in, in that fashion. So, so that's what's happening with that. And see a bad joke or two. Oh, I saw a guy on the side of the road who was changing a tire, and I was... Pulling over to help him when the car dropped on his foot, and then he needed a toe. So. Everyone was pretty excited about the last autopsy club meeting. It was open mic night. It's funny for everybody but Mike, I guess. I don't know. Uh, if people didn't have eyes, they'd look funny. All right, Alice, please come rescue me. Help me. That's enough. They've had all they can handle. I don't. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh, let me see. Oh, there, now it's on. Don't hold the button. There you go. So, hey, wait, it's working. It's on and off. All right. Well, hang on a minute. Let me, let me, maybe we can grab the other one. Hang on. Here's what's happening is Georgina didn't turn hers off. Now yours will work. Heck, okay. So, yay. 
That, you know, that segue is a little stressful anyway, because I have to come up after those horrific jokes. And then to have the mic not work. It's even more fun when everybody's staring at yeah, you. Yeah, you know, I was, if, I could, if I could Irish dance, I would have, but I can't. So anyway, I hope you all had a good fourth. We certainly did. It was very peaceful until about 830 when my dog freaked out. And then Steve got home from church, and then she was fine. So as soon as everybody was in their spots, because of the fireworks, did I say that part? <laughs> I'm off. Oh, goodness. All right, let's, let's pray before we read the word together. Come, Holy Spirit, just come. Come again and settle on us. Father, we thank you that you are here with us every minute. And we thank you, Father, for the time to worship and the time to dive deeper into your word. Father, the time for us to get a really good, solid foundation. Father, I know that in this time of change and so much differences, Lord, it can still be well with our soul. And help us, Father, just to focus on you and to remember that nothing has changed in you. Nothing. You're here with us. You gently speak to us when we're still. And help us, Father. Help us to be still long enough to hear that whisper in the deepest parts of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. The text today is out of the book of Genesis, chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was so. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Blessed be the word of God. Amen. All right. So that uh, passage, very powerful passage, and very interesting. A couple of things about it when you when you start to read Genesis. Uh, first off, you need to know that you know Genesis one is written about the beginning, but it wasn't written at the beginning. So I want to place it in history for you. Um, because sometimes we think, oh, it must have been written right then. Well, uh, Moses writes the book of Genesis, and he also writes the next four in the scripture, uh, together known as the Torah or the Pentateuch. He writes all of those. And, you know, he would have, that would have been a download from God. Moses spent a lot of time with God. Um, uh, and uh, so, so, you know, he, he writes that whole story with us. So Genesis is written right after the Exodus 
at around 1500 BC, just so you can put it in a place in history. And so by that time, just so you know, um, the, um, there were um, false gods um, and temples all over the place. The people of Israel had just been rescued from Egypt. It was filled with false gods and false temples, and a whole lot of the Exodus was dealing with them. In the process. So when this is written, uh, you know, in, in that period in history, the people would have been acquainted with temples and idols and all sorts of other things. And, and so now comes the book of Genesis, you know, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written, written by God for us, written to the people of God and uh, to the world. And, and so they would have been familiar with some of the things that are being described. Well, as you begin to read Genesis, then what you need to know is it's written in a very poetic way. And it's, uh, it's structured that way. And, and so, fascinating too when you read Genesis, some things that you need to see, you know, like right off the beginning, there's, you have, you have God and you have the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters and then you have the, the Word speaking into it. So, from the very beginning, there's this picture of Trinity, uh, that's taking place and that will, that picture will show up throughout the Bible as you look for Him in that way. Um, and you know, people say, oh, that's a random concept. It's right there in the first few chapters. Couldn't be more important. The first few verses. Uh, but as you continue to read, what you see is that, that what God is doing is there are these six stages of creation. Six days, six time periods, lots of debate has gone about what really that means, which I think gets everybody off what really matters. What matters is, is that God is creating creation in these six stages. He's you know, bringing heaven and earth together in these six stages, which is followed by a seventh moment, uh, which is a moment of rest or a, a moment of perfection, if you would. So, so that's what we see happening there in the book of Genesis. And um, if you were reading it at that point in time in history... What it would remind you of is the way that temples were made, because apparently these temples were, were tended to be constructed, these false temples, in these six sort of stages. And then the very last thing that, that, that they would do is that they would put a, a, an idol or an image of that God in that temple so that that false God would be represented in the community, so to speak. Well, here's where things get a little different. If you haven't ever caught it before, I told you last week that what God is creating is this cosmic temple there uh, in Eden. And um, the last thing that sort of happens in the construction of this thing is that, that an image is put in the temple. But because God is good and God is a good creator, what's the image that goes in his temple? Humanity. So you need to see that's what's taking place. We're, we're, the, we're the image. And, and that our job then is to, uh, to reflect God into the world around us and to reflect the praises of the world back to God. That's what humanity is created for. That's what we're intended to be. We're the image of God. That's what that means. We want people want to go, it makes them look like God or that. No. It's this idea of, of temple and that there's an image in the temple that represents a God. That's us. We're, humanity is God's representative. That's the way on earth. That's how he chose to do it. And that kind of sets the stage for what's taking place in Genesis. So it makes for fascinating reading when you look at t- the time. And remember now that the enemy's been at work for a while at this point in time in history. So, as I said, the people would be aware of the false gods and false temples. And they would see these things. And look for the enemy. The enemy is always trying to sort of counterfeit what God has done. And that's what the enemy does with false temples and false gods all over the planet. It's a counterfeit of what was really intended to be what God put into place there in the very beginning. And so uh, we need to understand this point number one in your notes about what it means to be the image of God. Because that's us. 
And as I said, you know, the, the quick way to look at it is we reflect God into the world around us. And then we reflect the praises of the world back to God. Um, in the scripture that I had Alice read, we, we see it a, a little more than that. We, we really get to see these, uh, those two ideas. It's when we have identity now that comes uh, in the image and likeness of God. That's our identity. And then we have mission or, or purpose, which is uh, dominion uh, over the earth. We're, we're to go, we're to multiply, and we're to go and um, bring the world into submission. So we're created by God in His image. That's our identity with a purpose, which is to go into all the world and sort of bring the glory of God with us. Now, people might wonder about that, what's going on there in the beginning, because in effect, we're stewards of creation. And what God does is He comes and He makes this perfect place in Eden. And we're going to look at that. But Eden is one place on the planet. It's not the entire planet. Plan is good, but it's not all Eden. And, and what he, in effect, wants to do is he wants to partner with humanity. He doesn't have to do it that way, but that's the way God likes to do it. He likes to do things relationally. You need to see that when you're looking for God. God's very relational. And so this is going to be the relationship. And I've, you know, I told you, remember, look for temple. God and earth, God, you know, and us dwelling together. That's a, the whole thing that runs throughout the Bible, and it, it, that's what he wants. And so he's made this place in Eden. Um, when I read you this scripture, when we look at Genesis 2.8, we'll often think... Well, Eden was the, you know, mankind's home, but it was more than that. It was God's dwelling on earth. It was him actually doing this in the process. But you need to see that there's a, it's a geographical spot, Eden. It's not the entire planet. Verse 8, chapter 2, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he formed. He put his image in this cosmic temple, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, very important trees. A river watering the garden flowed in Eden, and there uh, it was separated into four headwaters. And the name of the first is the Bashan. Uh, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold uh, of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon, and it winds through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, and it runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So what you see is the Bible is giving us a geographical location of where Eden is. So Eden is this perfect temple picture, God and people dwelling together. Everything is right. Everything is perfect. And what's to take place then is from there is in partnering with God. God's going to work with us and we're going to multiply. And then we're going to take that perfection that's eaten and spread it over the entire planet. That's the original calling. That's the original mission. That's the original purpose. That's what it was going to look like. We were going to hang out with God in this amazing way. And he was going to be with us. And we were going to go and subdue the entire planet until it was all like that. And that would be the picture for everyone. And we just continue to explore the perfect planet in total connection with God. I want you to be thinking about what gets lost here in a moment because, uh, see, Adam and Eve walked with God like that. The Bible says, you know, they walked in the cool of the day in this perfect place. That would have been all of our stories. And certainly now, you know, with the Holy Spirit dwelling us, we get a, we get a sense of that. But, but take it in, in, in you know, just a in a way that goes so far exceeds that, where he's actually there with us, walking with us, and we get it, and we experience him in that way. Um, that was to be what was to take place. 
in this entire uh, sort of journey that we were on. That's what it looked like. And we have heaven and earth together, God dwelling with his people. We have the wonderful cosmic temple. We have identity. We're the image bearers of God. We have mer- uh, purpose and mission. We're not just floating around on a cloud with nothing to do. We're going to go out and subdue the planet, and we're going to enjoy it with him and explore it. It's going to be really amazing. So Eden is where that whole idea begins. Well, wonderful start, but as you know, there's an issue. And... Um, what I like to say has happened is that, that we were the victims of identity theft. And point number two, most of you can sort of relate to identity theft. You read about it all the time now. People's identity is stolen. And this is the big sort of fallout from the fall is that uh, all that was ours is stolen from us. Our, our, the very identities of how we would reflect God into the world around us and, and how we'd reflect praises back to Him. And not only that, but our mission and our purpose. It's all stolen at the fall. And so what happens is, as God releases uh, Adam and, and humanity into this work, He does make and uh, gives them a little caution about one of those trees. And so He told them about this. He said, verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. That, that tree is toxic to humanity. And I did a long study on this six months ago, and I said ultimately what happens, you know, because it says they'll surely die. They don't immediately die, but they will. Um, but they allow death to enter the world at that point, and, and that changes everything. The enemy... Um, and, and death come at that point in time and change everything. And, and what happens is, remember, Adam and Eve were given dominion over everything and even every creature on the ground that's in there on purpose because the enemy comes as a serpent. So they have authority. They don't need to listen to this whole sort of attack. They don't need to take this in. And, and yet this conversation happens that you, you know, all of you know about the fall and the enemy deceives them into thinking what? Look, it's not... Yeah, you, you bear the image of God, big deal. You could actually be like God, and that's what he doesn't want. See, there's another step to this. There's a whole thing that he's trying to convince them. And take in, they, they're experiencing God in, in the ways that all of us are longing for in this thing. It's not like he's vague or distant. He's right there in their midst. And, and the enemy kind of winds them up to thinking that they're missing something, that being just the... The image bearers of God isn't enough. That having purpose enough. You could have that for yourself. You could be like God. That's why he doesn't want you to eat from that tree. So they're deceived and they eat from the tree. So I had people ask me this last week after that. Well, it seems like that was an awful big consequence from a sin. It's more than just a sin. It's a rejection of who God is. It's not just, oh, we're going to do that anyway. No, what they're, they're rejecting everything that God has set in motion with them. They're rejecting the idea of being image bearers. They're rejecting the idea of being worshipers. They're rejecting the whole deal. That's why there was such a severe and radical consequence. Oh, it seems like a big deal. What they did was say to God after experiencing him in perfect ways, yeah, we, we'd still rather go our own way. That's why it was such a big deal. And so... Everything has changed, and we're no longer what we once were. Every, everything for Adam and Eve changed. Immediately they experience fear and shame because their identity is gone. And they, they don't know what they're going to do anymore, so they hide because they have no mission and no purpose. Imagine it's all gone all at once. And that's sort of the big fall, that's why it's called that, that takes place. And so it's a, it's a very difficult time in the beginning of this journey. So... Uh, 
humanity, the, the intended rulers of earth, now become the ruled. And our identity and authority that God gives to us uh, to subdue the earth is stolen by the enemy. It doesn't revert back to God. The enemy actually takes it at that point. That's what happens there when he convinces them. And so he gets that authority that was given to us. And he begins this campaign of chaos that continues till today. Now, fortunately, there's an intervention. And that's at the cross. Uh, and, and yet, the enemy's still at work because the enemy is defeated but not departed yet until Jesus comes back a second time. We're waiting for that. So I, I thought as I was doing this story, though, I don't want to just always leave you at that spot and just go, okay, so it's a big mess. Um, there's hope because in Genesis 3.15, God makes a plan, the, the plan of redemption that I talk about, the crimson thread of redemption. But let's jump ahead a little bit in the story. We're going to go back next week and we're going to spend some more time talking about the fallout of the fall. And we're going to talk about the exodus and stuff because you need to know that. But what you need to know as we spin forward in history is that ultimately, point number three, Jesus catches the thief. Jesus takes care of the one who stole our identity. And uh, what he does with that is that he, he takes back the authority that the enemy stole from us. And, you know, and now Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He's taken it back at the cross. And then he sends us in his authority now, as, as sort of restored, redeemed. Now you're going to go and you have mission and purpose again. So there's a big deal. He's captured for us once again our identity, and he's recaptured for us our mission and purpose. He's set things back into the way they need to be. This is what Paul is saying in Colossians 1, 13 through 15. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Listen, the Son is the image, there's that word again, so not just, oh, he must look like God, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So here we have Jesus now, the image of God. Back in the temple, back in store, back in place, everything being set back to the way it was in the beginning. And then... In that, see, what happens is we're now being conformed, once again, into his image. Paul says in Colossians 3.10, we've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in what? In the image of its creator. See, now the new self, when we come to know Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, what's happening is we're, we're now new people, new creations, and the, we're being renewed in the knowledge, in our minds, in the image of our Creator. So the image, the identity is coming back to us. And it has to do with His new self. In Ephesians 4.24, it says we're to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in what? True righteousness and holiness. So there's a connection between the image bearing and righteousness that I want to talk about today. And this will be the last point that I make today. So righteousness is actually about the restoration of the image of God to humanity. The, the word actually means being, it's right in being. That's what righteousness is. It means that you are, you are who you're supposed to be now that you're in Christ. You've been restored to being an image bearer of God. Where we often get confused with this whole thing is that we have a different idea of what righteousness is and, and we um, think it's about following a bunch of rules. That's what makes us righteous. We think it's about getting everything sort of set up in that way. And um, the problem is that's another deceptive tactic because what happens there is instead of being righteous, what you try and, uh, end up trying to do is that you become self-righteous. 
which is the opposite of what you want to be. See, it's, it's our identities, image bearers. That's righteousness. It's already who you are. It's not something that you have to do. It's who you are. What you have to do is, the, our part is to live the life that we already are. That's what it is. But it's not about following a bunch of rules. Christianity is never about a bunch of rules. And why I think it's so important, why I wanted to bring that up today, is if you, I've got you, you know, I want to encourage you to press in and read the scripture. I'm always doing that. But you need to read it for what it is, the story it is. It's a book of truth. You need to read it as a book of truth, but not as a rule book. Because if you read the Bible and start trying to pick out little rules to live by, you become self-righteous. And the problem is, if, if the good news ever becomes just a bunch of rules for people to follow, it's not good news. It's not. It doesn't work that way. What has to happen is, is that there needs to be this renewing that happens in our minds. So what we do is we read the scripture and we yield to the Holy Spirit and our minds are renewed. We're being renewed in the image of the Creator. And, and what, when, in those areas where we're not sort of getting it right yet, the Holy Spirit is working in us so that what happens is He changes us so that we reflect properly who God is into the world around us, but not in a self-righteous way. We struggle with this because for whatever reason, most of us actually like rules. And in fact, we would, if, just tell me what the rules are and I'll do that. Because it's easier sometimes just to do that. Just tell me the rules and I'll do that. We live in a gated community, which we love. It has a lot of rules. And I went in going saying, just tell me the rules. I'm good with that. I just want to know and I'll do it. But here's what happens when, when you start following rules. Is that then, if you see somebody not following those rules, you want to judge them really bad. And I have to fight it, even in me, even in stupid things. And I never follow through, but I think, well, I'm following that rule. Why aren't you following that rule? Do you know about that rule? I should be the rule enforcer. Let me tell you what you need to do. Let me try and figure out a way to tell you so it doesn't look like I'm the one that's doing it, but it really is me who's doing it because I'm upset because I follow that stupid rule. And why is it a rule anyway? That's self-righteousness. And see, we can't be that. What happens is, this whole thing is worked out in relationships. See, Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus. It's about yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's reading the Word, yielding to the Holy Spirit, and it's relationship. And see, relationship isn't like black and white. Relationship, there's tension in relationship. How many of you ever have any tension in your relationships? But, but in the tension, see, you're growing and you're connecting, hopefully, and you're moving through and you're figuring it out. And, you know, in the, in the, in the Bible, it talks about a marriage, two people becoming one. In a relationship with Jesus, that's what's happening. We're becoming more like Him. And there's, there's a lot of stuff that has to get worked off in us. Not rules ways, but just in a change. Becoming the people that we were called to be. Being renewed in our mind. Our minds, see, have to be transformed. That's the big issue that we have. And, and he wants to do that in us. And so that's the important part of this story that you need to get. And then what happens is you're, is you're cultivating that relationship by reading the scripture and pressing into the Lord. We, we take back up the very mission that we've been given, which is to take God's glory still to the ends of the earth. To, you know, to, to subdue, to, to, to chaos reigns. And, and God wants us to come and be a calming factor in that under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit the resurrection power flowing through our veins that we go into the world and we speak truth in love and make a difference leading people back to Jesus and bearing displaying who God is into the world around us 
and reflecting praises back to him. That's what's going on in this story. And as I said to you in the last series, and I'll say it again, the world desperately needs the church to be the church right now. And this is all part of it. So kind of dwell on those things this week and what that looks like. And I'm going to pick it up next week. We're going to pop back and talk about the Exodus because you need to know that and in this whole idea of the story. But that's where we're at for today. Uh, having said that, all of this begins in relationship with Jesus, everything I'm talking about. And so if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's where this whole thing needs to start. That's how we become a part of his story. And really we do that by um, admitting that we need a Savior, that we've sinned. God, will you forgive me? I'm a sinner. And then inviting Jesus into our heart and life. Lord Jesus, would you, would you come into my heart and life and be my Lord and Savior? And it's that prayer that starts everything. And so, you know, if you're here sitting with me and you've never prayed it, do it. Maybe you did it even as I was saying it. Or if you've done it online, do it. Just that simple prayer. God, forgive me. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. And, and if you've done that, and you've done that with me today for the first time, I need to know so I can celebrate with you. So you just text the word heart. You've got to text the word heart, not the emoji. Heart, H-E-A-R-T, to that number, 305-745-7513, so I can celebrate with you. Lots of people have been doing that since Easter, and we're very, very glad for that. And uh, we pray that we'll, people will continue to do that. Let me say again here as we close up, thank you for your generosity, folks, um, to the church. As the church kind of continues to figure out what this whole thing looks like, it's all different. Things that we've done for years and years are different and how we do it. And we, we appreciate all of you and, and your faithfulness and support. also want to bless all of you. And some of you aren't in a position to be, uh, you know, able to give financially the way you would like. And we bless you in that. And we know that's happening. But... There's those ways to do it digitally, and there's offering boxes in here now for those of you who would, uh, who would like to give, and we, we thank you for that. And let's sing the doxology, and we'll call it a day. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. On your way out, masks up. Please keep distance on the way out. Don't crowd the doors. If you see it gets busy over there, step back. Make sure you keep that six-foot thing going. Have a great rest of the day and a great rest of the weekend. Love you guys. Thanks so much for coming. Love seeing your faces. Love seeing you online. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.